Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Inyash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. And today we have a guest. You want to introduce yourself? I'm Shelly. Hello there, Shelly. Shelly is here with us because she thinks that everyone should lie all the time. <laughs> Not a fair characterization. And I think I probably disagree with Shelly more than you do. Uh, so what are, we, what are we actually talking about? Do you want to introduce it with your... Uh, we're going to talk about the topic of lying in general, I think. Yeah. And I guess it's relevant to the rationalist community in that I, f- I think there are maybe slightly stronger norms against lying mm-hmm. among rationalists uh, as opposed to general society. There definitely seems to be at least the ideal that we tell the truth as much as possible, even to the point of making people uncomfortable, which I don't, I don't think that everyone holds to that, but it's nice to have that as an ideal, right? Well, not that everyone would be uncomfortable. Eh. I think the idea is that once, so people are uncomfortable with honesty, right? right? So the idea is, I think, in my mind, to overcome that and to make it to where you can actually engage with somebody directly and honestly and save yourselves a bunch of time and, and drama, right? Yes. Or, or, what, or even, I guess if you're going to say it like in, in rationalist terms, you know, minimize communication time and minimize message length by just getting straight to the point. Right. Right. But so, a lot of people seem to need that. Like it's a lubricant. It, let's, let's, because otherwise if you're just being all honest at each other, it, it, there's friction out in the real world, it seems. By the real world, I mean the crazy world <laughs> where, <laughs> where all the insane people are. Yeah, uh, avoiding just straight to the point honesty does have some perks. Um, so what are these perks? <laughs> just in general, like if you want to to get someone to do things that are benefit you that don't necessarily benefit them. That seems that seems like a bad thing to do. Like in 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 just I mean, I'm using bad in like the moral sense here that I I, I would feel bad trying to get someone to do things to benefit me that hurts them. I, I agree. I, I'm wondering, is there a defensible example of that? Or are you, are you just okay saying... And Do you want to keep the money that you have right now? Because that would benefit you, but yes, if you it give would. it to me, that would benefit me. I, so, <laughs> so, so the cases really are just like sociopathic self-interest. <laughs> no, well, no, no, I, no, I thought that would be a straw man, but like, is there is that really what you're like defending here? No, like, no. Okay, good. Yeah, so what, what's the, what's oh, the but, not sociopathic um, version of, of defending this? <laughs> Obviously, like people's interests don't always completely align, and sometimes someone may, for instance, you know, want to kill your friend, and they ask you, "Where's your friend hiding?" <laughs> and instead of saying the truth, will answer, "Friend's in the basement." You say, uh, "She's somewhere. She's in the next town over." I'm totally ripping off Slate Star Codex's uh, example right now. Oh damn! If there's a Slate Star example, he's probably thought of my comeback, which is, <laughs> which is, I tell the killer, "Fuck you." <laughs> that, that's where that's where my friend is right uh, well i mean but maybe he has an axe and he looks very ready to use it on you that's why i'm sort of a fan of like home defense but uh <laughs> just for the occasional axe wielding psychopath yeah um i mean i guess so th- this is that is one of like the standard examples in fact i think we talked about this when we talked about Kant way back when yeah, yeah. um and that the post is actually about that oh you can't reason with deontology yes. or something yeah no, no. No, no. you can't dismiss <laughs> you, uh, you can't ignore universalizability universalizability yeah. Right. yeah yeah I like the idea of, of general rules in some contexts, but like this is one of those things where, you know, Kant does just bite the bullet and say, yep, you just tell him the truth. I've got him here rather than. So for me, the, the comeback is if, you, if you're not comfortable just telling them to fuck off and if you don't want to lie, your, your alternative is to engage with them. It, they, they're, if they're an axe wielding psychopath, if they're not the kind of they've kind of given up their and this 
could be a circumstance where I'd advocate lying. I guess I wouldn't advocate lying up until you've reached the point where the potential for honest communication is broken down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with a psycho who's there to kill you or your friends, that might be a point, right? But at some point, that person's going to get somewhere where someone's going to have to shut them down physically. You know, the, the police are going to show up and arrest them or whatever it is, right? Or the town people get together and strip that axe away from them or something. I think that once you have that much of a fundamental conflict of values, then there's going to be, yeah, you're going to have to resort to violence in some sort. And I guess verbal violence in that case would be better than, than physical violence, at least until you can get someone who's better at physical violence to come, <laughs> like the cops. <laughs> but uh, but I, I still, in general, think it is a thing that would be good to avoid. Like, I, I, I don't like that example specifically because everyone can agree, yes, in that case, you do lie to people. Uh, because this is a case where you're going to come into co- violent conflict anyway, and if you know you're going to be fighting someone, you might as well go ahead and lie to them. But I meant more like in like general life situations. I f- so I find myself um, I have sort of a a avoidance of conflict thing going where I will occasionally. Not lie per se, but hold back the truth. Fine, fuck it. I'll I lie sometimes <laughs> to, to avoid conflict with other people because I'm like, hey, I just I'd rather not argue with you. We can just let this go. And I mean that has that has led to a few unfortunate circumstances in my life where afterwards I was like, I really wish I just would have been honest up front. Yeah. Um my position, um d- despite being on a podcast talking about defending lying Mm -hmm. is that lying is usually not a good idea um and it's for the obvious reasons that that children are taught why not to lie the people won't believe you anymore Mm -hmm. and it's really difficult to keep track of all the the web of other lies that will depend on your first lie and it's it's effortful to lie Mm -hmm. and like as as you just described you end up regretting lies when you may be caught (laughs) Such a, for such a good purpose though yeah. I just want to not fight man yeah. <laughs> so Shelly those are kind of my exact thoughts too and the yeah. one thing I don't like about the other thing I don't like about the, the axe wielding example is that people are way too quick to generalize from that and say aha so you admit it's okay to lie so like therefore it's okay to like lie to your friend about why you're breaking plans or you know lie to your spouse about where you were all night or something like that right and there's I, like I said I think once you've reached the point where you're prepared to engage in violence, then then lying to them, you're, you're past the point of ever trying to have an honest relationship with the person. But that doesn't apply to the overwhelming majority of lies people tell. You know, we're not often lying to axe-wielding murderers, we're lying to our friends and family for like stupid, in what we'll often acknowledge ourselves are stupid reasons. You mm, know? Well, I did look up some research on lying and unfortunately it was a survey where people self-report. So, I'd, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But... Uh, the surveys seem to show that when people self-report how much they lie, s- about 60% of people say that they don't really lie very much at all. And 60% then, of people are liars then. Perhaps <laughs> so. And uh, the people who did report lying reported s- several lies, <laughs> I guess. So it's like a few people are big liars, and while well, most people don't lie that much, I think, was the results of the survey. Oh. <laughs> and I wonder what like that much meant um, in that context. I mean, so... There's all kinds of cool stuff about, again, you have to go by self-report unless you're going to just stalk people and, you know, fact check everything they say or something. But, um, well, no, there are, there are other studies that try to determine lying with, with other methods. But, 
Oh, well, I'd be curious to learn about those too. I guess I was going to say like there are things where apparently people who write them, I guess maybe these are the same people who would say I, I'm dishonest, you know, who would check, you know, I'm dishonest sometimes on whatever these surveys are. Mm-hmm. People in, a, in similar circumstances, not knowing what, exactly what you're talking about, but those similar people will assume that other people are dishonest with them as well. Oh my God. And so I have noticed the hell out of that. I have noticed that if someone believes the world is out to get them and basically everyone is evil and trying to screw over everyone else and take all the advantage they can for themselves, those are the exact same people that do that sort of thing all the time. It it, it seems to me they're basically just generalizing from their own experience in life. And so I no longer trust people who don't trust others because it means you're probably a lying douchebag. (laughs) Which, which is unfortunate because you can't trust people all the time either, you know? So it makes me feel like I am punishing people for being realistic about the fact that you can't always trust everyone. But whenever I see someone, just every single thing, ah, yep, that's how they get you. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, God. Well, it may be the kind of heuristic that applies more to the extremes, right? Like people who, as you say, are, are always thinking that way are, are probably more, yeah. it's probably more conform to that rule. People who can't even get yeah. free guacamole at a restaurant without saying, <laughs> ah, there's a scam involved. So, Shelley, what, what, uh, the, the agreement, or at least the, the implicit agreement, was that you're going to defend lying for yeah. us. Or are we all on the same well, page? No, I think, or am, am okay, I, so, so getting back to the defending lying, I guess the, the thing that I wanted Shelley on is because in the rationalist community, it is often sort of a norm to go to the extreme of being always honest to the point of like painful, uh, transparency, honesty all the time. And you think that uh, that is not necessarily a good thing all the time. Yeah. First of all, I guess maybe we should break down like all the different categories and complexities of deception because there is explicit lying and then there is not technically lying. (laughs) Not technically lying is the one that annoys me the most because Harry did that a lot from, from the Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality, where he would say things that were technically true, but in a way where he knew the person was drawing the false conclusion. And I'm like, if you're saying you know, something in a way that makes someone get wrong information about the world, you're lying to them, even if you know a genie would say, yes, those words are technically the truth. That's the definition I like to sort of like when you're, when you're, when you're intentionally trying to communicate something to get your recipients to have a belief that you know, isn't true. Yeah. So like te- technically true. There's the fun example. Like I go take a tour at the white house and I call Corey Gardner, our, our state representative. And I say, this is Steven Zuber. I'm calling from the white house. I like to, I'd like to talk to the Corey Gardner. <laughs> so what does that communicate? That, that sounds like I'm calling from the white house and I'm an important person, but I'm just calling from proximity to the White House. <laughs> so, like, I'm, but that, that statement is calculated to deliver that obviously false message, right? Yeah. Where, like, I know they're going to believe the wrong thing. So that, that to me is, that's a lie, right? But I don't feel like if some, you know, so like, what's the standard thing people don't like talking about? Like, how much money they have? So if someone asks me, Stephen, how much money do you have? I can say, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. That's the honest answer. Yeah. Not, here's my exact bank balance, right? It is really weird dodging around those sorts of things because I don't really care if people know how much money I have or how much I make. I don't consider money a very good indication of moral worth, but in society, there's this very strict, in our society anyway, there's this this norm. There's this norm of not telling anyone how much you make or how much you have. And so oftentimes I'm like dancing around saying these numbers when I'm like, God, I 
really wish I could just blurt this out because who gives a fuck, you know? But I, you don't want to be seen as the asshole who has no idea about social conventions. I share that belief with you about money. I chose that because it's a topical example. I mean, what's another one uh, that people find, you know, uncomfortable to talk about? I, that was the first thing that came to mind, but the money thing's pretty ubiquitous, but I'm, I'm in your boat there. I believe you were just earlier talking about uh, whenever someone says, how are you, you're just supposed to say fine. Yeah. I, I think that might be a mistake on my part, because when people say, how are you, I almost always answer honestly, just on reflex. And I mean, I don't go into the too much information zone, like, oh man, this morning I woke up with just diarrhea coming out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll be like, eh, you know, I've been better. Yeah, I think I kind of do that as well. Because my, my tendency is to try and be at least technically honest when speaking to people, especially when answering a direct question. Yeah. Especially if it's something as low stakes as how are you? Like, I don't know why I would lie about that. And to be clear, I don't think I would lie about that either. I think what I was getting at is there's a difference between... Like, well, the socially it, it, accepted answer is fine. Well, I mean, there's also like the 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 question, but this, this involves a level of mind reading that I don't usually like to get into, but often, like if your boss comes around your desk and says, hey, how are you doing today? You don't say, oh man, trouble, trouble at home, you know, my you know, here's all my list of problems. You don't list why everything isn't great. You, you and I might say, you know, eh, it's, it's okay. Pretty okay day. Um, but there are people who would say, Ross isn't really asking, how are you? Mm -hmm. They're asking, they're, they're saying they're hello. Generic greeting. Right. So, I mean, if you really believe that you can reply with whatever you want and you know, you just, if, if you actually think, yes, they're not asking about me, they're asking, they're saying hi or whatever, then you can give whatever the, you know, return greeting is, but, but you can also give a, you can st use a statement that expresses greeting, but is also in its explicit content mm -hmm. accurate as well. I always say not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause that's, that's technically true. It could yeah. be worse. You know, yeah. you don't have leprosy. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, other than, like I said, like other, other examples of, of lying than, uh, like sociopathic self-interest, you know, well, you have money that I would like, so I'm going to convince you of things in order to give, you know, to let you give you, or to convince you to give you my, give you, give me your money. Mm -hmm. Man, I struggled through that sentence. <laughs> um, or, you know, I'm going to lie about a bunch of things to get you to sleep with me or something. Those typically I think are not regarded as favorable by anybody, you know, other than psychopaths or, you know, the people yeah. who are, who are like that. So, I mean, is there, is there a level of lying that anyone here is okay with, or are we all... Just going to sit here and... I mean, other than the extreme examples that you agreed were okay? Well, what did I agree to exactly? Well, I think you talked about, like, if physical violence is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Once, once the possibility for, like, amicable communication is gone, then yeah. If you're in a position where you're ready to hurt or kill somebody, you're in a position where it's okay to lie to them, too. Right. So... I, I think uh, one level of lying that I engage in myself and I think is probably acceptable is uh, when someone puts you in a position where you basically have to lie to them. And I think we were just talking about this a little earlier. Uh, what, what, what was the question you get asked when you go into a job interview? Like, why do you want to work here oh, or yeah, something? Exactly. Like, yeah. what, what made you pick us? The answer is always because you're going to give me money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or because, you know, out of the 250 places I applied to, you're one of the three places to call me back. Right. right. So, like... But, but, they, how do they not know? They obviously know that the, the correct answer is because you need to pay your fucking rent and they're there willing to give you money for it. And yet they still ask the damn question anyway. So they deserve to get a stupid lie back because what are you going to do? Be the one guy who, who tells them the truth? 
God, I think that you might have caught me in a in a corner there because <laughs> well, so this might be an example of one of those circumstances where the, where you're, it's not actually an engage like an honest engagement of of yeah. communication. There, there was it's really like it's just like a personality test. We right. want to ask you a generic question, see if you can answer in a roughly human fashion. Well, but Stephen, did you lie to that question? So I told Inyash, <laughs> but so I I interviewed at a company that's like eight people last week. And they asked me, you know, what attracted you to this company? And you know, what attracted me? You guys wanted to interview with me. That's what attracted me the most. But so obviously I can't say that. So what I did say is like, well, I love the idea of, you know, being responsible for a product that I actually built. It's not being one of like 40 other developers who worked on something. I like being able to take ownership of my stuff. And, uh, you know, I find that uh, level of, of direct involvement with, with the product, you know, desirable or some, something something like that. Beautiful answer. And I, well, I told Inya, she's like, I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> I... And looking at myself, I have no idea if I believe that or not. But I, what I did there was I looked for an answer. What do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I guess that counts as a lie. But I don't, again, I'm not sure if that they, but they know what the truth is. So like they're not, they're not looking for the truth. They're looking for, and I'm not sure if I'm trying to bullshit myself to make myself okay with this lie. I'm, I'm not convinced that they would have been happy with, I'm ready to do pretty much anything you guys are willing to pay me for. Like that, I, that's what made me interested. I right? sometimes kind of wonder what would happen if you were to answer truthfully on those sorts of things you wouldn't get called back you don't think i think the key is they want you to be professional enough to do your job and human enough to work with right okay and if you're if you're that level of radical honest you're not human enough to, that they'll think you'll be comfortable enough working well, in an environment i think there are other motivations which are behind asking that question which could also help you to craft an answer that is less of a lie um for instance if i was going to ask that question to someone that i wanted to hire i would want to know if they had researched like my company and what they actually thought, like what, oh, their, sure. what there's, what is their opinion about the way we do things or do you even know the way we do things? Yeah, you bet. And those, those are other good answers too. And I think the thing is about the answer that I gave in this exa- in this example, I think I actually do believe that mm-hmm. I happen to also like other things about like working like as a cog in a machine where like I'm one of like 40 people. I, I think I actually honestly like that too. Yeah. So they're not asking me, why would you pick us over everybody else? Asking me, why would you pick us in general? I'm like, oh, well, these are the reasons. I'm not going to list all the reasons why I wouldn't pick you guys. I'll list all the reasons why I would. I I think that's an honest answer. I prefer working for a large company because you can kind of blend in in the background and get lost in the machine, (laughs) right? (laughs) That that may not be the best answer. Yeah, I am not passionate about accounting. (laughs) I'm here to collect my paycheck and I hope I don't draw attention. No one will notice if I spend 10 hours a week on Reddit. So, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I mean, I, I mean, the real answer, you know, I guess this is sort of a field, but the, the general thing is that you can give answers that are honest, but not like the, you know, the complete package, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, your boss comes around and asks how you are. You don't describe your morning bowel movement and, you know, your, your <laughs> gastrointestinal distress on the drive to work well, or something, maybe right? you don't. So, um, you, you give them an answer that's, you know, some of it, but th- so I think one of the kickbacks I get, which I I'm surprised that there's a lot of kickback. There's not a lot, but there's some kickback to like talking about, yes, I'm a big fan of honesty. I think that people lie way more often than they should. And the average, the average person could go their entire life without lying Mm -hmm. and their lives would be better. Mm -hmm. And so the people that they live with and interact with, but people, you know, are like, that's not true. What about all these? They'll say, well, you know, by they'll, they'll think that the commitment to honesty means that you have to like be always forthcoming with everything. And that's not true either. Like I said, with the, with the ax ax murder example, you know, where's your Mm -hmm. friend? You don't have to answer. The answer isn't, they're in the basement there. The answer is screw off or screw you, right? Or fuck off, whatever it is. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever personal information someone asks you, I can't think of a good question. You know, your boss, hey. your boss asks you, 
or you're, if you're interviewing again, I'm thinking interviews on my mind, you know, how much did you make at your last job? Oh, I'm not really, you know, I guess I'm not really comfortable saying it's the same thing as saying, I don't want this job. So I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do there, but you know, so like, cause if you say too little, they're going to offer you whatever you made at your last job and you want right. to make more. So, um, what I've, is, what is another in question? In all my where, personal interactions, I've never, I, so I felt really weird doing this before when people would ask me probing questions. I felt like I always had to answer. And if it was something I wasn't comfortable telling the true answer about, I would just kind of not say the truth. <laughs> but, mm. but, but by not saying the truth, I mean, I would lie. Uh, this, <laughs> this was back in the day. But I, I have found that every single time nowadays when I just say, you know, I'm not really comfortable with that, people are like, oh, okay. And they just don't care. It seems like after a day, they don't even remember that they asked that. I'm like, this is awesome. Right. And that's awkward your first couple of times. Yeah. And then you get, you realize that like, oh, and people aren't going to lose their mind if, you know, if you tell them, I don't want to answer that or I'm not comfortable. Although I understand how there might be uh, an internal resistance to saying that kind of thing because there are all these signaling implications of, you know, saying, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. It feels a lot like defecting in the conversation game. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you're also implicitly saying like, we're not close enough for me to tell you that or something, or that there's a really huge secret, which I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) So I may have killed one man. (laughs) (laughs) Secret's another thing that that comes up in my life. So I've kind of made like the the commitment to honesty, I don't know, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like committed to being honest, but like really about, you know, trying to never lie. Yeah. So whatever family drama or friendship drama where they're like, Oh, you can't tell so-and-so, but this. And then, so people know me enough by now for the most part that they, they can't say that they, they won't try and tell me something and be like, Oh, but you have to lie if you're asked about this. Cause they know I won't. There are times where, you know, if someone says, I can't think of an example, you know, don't tell this person that I, I can't think of a good example, whatever. I quit my job or something for whatever reason. I don't want them to know. Mm -hmm. And then that person asks me, I can just say, I guess what would I say in that situation? If I'm asked to like, for the most part, these things don't come up. So like, you're not really called upon to like lie, but if you are, you can just say, you know what? Cause in a question that's like binary like that, you're basically giving them the answer by not answering it. So I think in that situation, in those situations, people that I know by now, for the most part, don't really want me to keep those kinds of secrets. And it's not like, again, I'll go tell people, but I, I, I would say maybe like I was asked not to tell you. Okay. You know, so. Well, how about the not technically a lie option, which is to say, I couldn't say. (laughs) I couldn't say sounds like I don't know, but I do know. Right. That's one of those things where it's like, you could say, but you won't. (laughs) So like you are lying. (laughs) But um, I I guess I'm bad at at generating examples. If anyone has one, I could be happy to play along. But I'm struggling to think of a good example myself. Or you could sometimes you can just distract people in a way you can say like <laughs> you know this is the kind of question that you ought to ask a person personally and maybe you're out of line for <laughs> asking you kind of turn it back on them yeah i've done that before too i don't think there's even where i i do this in situations where i'm not even privy to like special information but they could be like oh my god what do you think about like this relationship drama i'm like you know who'd be a great person to ask about that your yeah. relationship partner <laughs> <laughs> even if i knew what they would say like say if we had even have talked about it i will say you know who's the best person the person that you're talking about that's who you should be talking to yeah and that's 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 also the, that's also the truth right yeah that that is the best person to be talking to not me so all right sorry i got us distracted again shelly <laughs> what are non psychopath examples of defensible lines uh, well um i i kind of want to go back to what you said about um, the possibility of violence, like, I think that there are more situations where 
violence is a threat, then you may consider. It's not just where you're talking to an individual and that individual is going to beat you up. For instance, there are situations in which if you admitted that you had suicidal thoughts, you would be put on a psych hold or police would come and take you away for your own good. Um, And I think that it may be reasonable for a person to, even if asked directly, like, do you have any suicidal thoughts to say no? Because there are a number of people who constantly have suicidal thoughts, but at the same time are not suicidal. Yeah. I guess to find suicidal thoughts, but I mean, so, and I'm not, I'm not being flippant, not but a, that's not what I would say. Not at immediate risk. Yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, that's, that's what I'd say to my psychiatrist or my psychologist. If I was talking with one, I would say, by my own honest best appraisal, I'm not an immediate risk for self-harm. And even if, even and if I'm having... And if that person w- could be trusted thoughts, to accept that, then... I would hope that I would trust my... But that's true. If you, if you feel like you can't trust the person you're talking with, or like... Um, yeah, and that happens with a lot in a lot of situations, especially, I don't know, teenagers living at home with parents who would send them off to something that the parents think is good for them, but would could be devastating to them. One of those ex-gay camps or yeah, something? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's true. And I, I do want to emphasize that I don't think these cover the vast majority of lies that people tell. Mm-hmm. I think for the most most part, people are telling what they consider to be like little white lies. You know, oh yeah, I can't make it to dinner party because I'm stuck in, you know, I'm stuck 60 miles away in traffic when in fact they're at home and they just don't want to go. I guess what you're saying, it's kind of a, a privilege to be able to tell the truth sometimes. In, yeah, it is. Because well, if you're living in a situation where someone has a lot of control over your life, over what resources you have access to, even if you do hold certain opinions or values, you may have to lie about what they actually are or they'll take those away. And the one thing that these all have in common and the third one that I just thought of and the fourth one that I thought of, it's like other people you might lie to in similar examples are like the police mm-hmm. or your boss about something or other, right? Um, so like, the, but, the, but the thing these all have in common is that the person you're lying to has a disproportionate compared to your power over them, they have more power over you than you do over them. Yeah. And so if the police pulls you over and asks, you know, do you have any drugs in the car? And if you think they'll believe me if I say no, but if I say yes, I'm definitely going to jail, you'll say no. But I mean, that's just one of the bummers of having bad laws, right? That it puts otherwise good people, it, it forces otherwise good people to be dishonest. In the, in the example of talking to, like, if you're talking to your parents and you're afraid that they're going to do bad things to you, that's almost, that's, that, you're right, that is a little dialed down from like being at risk of, you know, literally getting killed with an axe or something, but that's at the risk of coming to self uh, well, it's interesting. What if what if they were just uh, what if they would just withdraw college funding from you? Because that's that's certainly not violent necessarily. It's not life threatening. It's people could argue. Well, it's their money. If they don't want to give you their money to send you off to college, then they don't have to, right? And I mean, I basically kind of agree with that. But on the other hand, that's that's. So here's, it feels like there's almost a social contract that if you have kids and you have enough money to send them to college. And they can do well in college that you should, right? So the the distinction here, it, we're running with the example of like where you have parents who aren't okay with a child being gay. Yeah. And so if they ask you for whatever reason, point blank, are you gay? And because if you say yes, I'm not going to pay for your college, then you'll say, well, of course not then. So like, I think... Not even necessarily gay if you have really religious parents. They're like, are you an aspiring rationalist? And you're like, no, ma'am. <laughs> right. <laughs> I believe in the big Jeezy. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I think, I mean, in those circumstances, you're kind of saying, well, would I want to all right so i've got a few thoughts if you don't mind me rambling for a second go for it so one you're okay throwing an honest relationship out the window for whatever payoff you're going to get for lying to them in this case you're like you know what i'm okay not being open with my parents if it means getting free college right 
basically um, using them for their college money. And but at the same time, you're like, well, I don't want to have a relationship with people who, you know, don't like uh, non-believers or gay people or whatever my parents don't like, right? Yeah. And so if you're okay with like, if it's okay to take advantage of bad people, then then you can just do whatever you want to them. So like that's, or at least in in the context of you know, manipulating them through deceit. Right. I don't know if I'd necessarily buy that whole chain. There's also the possibility too. I don't I think mean, it's necessarily okay to take advantage of bad people. I don't think so either. But that that might be what someone would think if they're okay lying to them in order to keep their college tuition, right? But I mean, then consider too that there's a breakdown of what could be a very fruitful and important development in the conversation, right? Like you might just believe your parents would, you know, disown you if they learned you were gay. When in fact they might... They might have known all along. Or they might have known all along. They might be super supportive. Mm-hmm. Now granted, you might have a really good idea and you're not going to take a 5% chance that, you know, somehow they've been hiding their, their super niceness about this <laughs> su- subject their entire lives. Right. But it, I guess it depends what kind of relationship you want to have with them. And again, if your parents are closed-minded bigots against whatever you are, hypothetically, you know, they might not be the kind of people you want to have. They've known all along, but they are just okay with keeping everything hidden. Yeah. And as soon as you come out, they're like, well, fuck you, you broke the contract. And I mean, so like that's, that depends. Like if they're, if they're those kind of people, there might be the kind of people you're okay not having a real, a real relationship with. Yeah. But I, I think mainly I I'm, think I'm against be, lying when there's a chance for a real relationship. It feels like a shitty thing to tell someone that you should throw away your future for honesty, but it feels shitty to tell someone that you should take money from people you don't like just because you have moral disagreements with them, right? If it's their money, then it's their choice whether they spend it on sending you to college or not. But that's also easy for me to say, seeing as I am, uh, you know, not in the college going to age range. This is not a concern for me, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, like lying to your boss about something that they might find objectionable. I, I, mm. I'm not really sure when, like laws are pretty good in the United States anyway about keeping those kind of conversations illegal. You know, so like I do occasionally see job listings where they're like, and we want, you know, we want applicants with good Christian values and oh. even straight up ones like we want Christians. Okay. I think those must be for private organizations, not for, you know, public companies. Um, cause you're not supposed to be able to do that. So if your employer asks, uh, in fact, there's actually a reputable, I'm not sure if this is a chain or if it's one place, but there's a nursing home in my hometown that has some like, they're a very good place, well-funded, nicely staffed and well-equipped. But one of the things they care about is they want to make sure that you, you know, in their list of like value statements, they have like good Christian values or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like the only off-putting thing about them is that like, oh, they kind of want you to be religious, but they might be able to ask you, in fact, I know somebody who did, inter- did interview with them. They had asked, uh, you know, do you feel like you personally line up with our value statements? Mm-hmm. And in that implicitly is, are you a good Christian person? Okay. Um, but it's not explicit. Yeah. And so you could say, yeah, I feel like I agree. I have an interesting personal thing that is exactly that. that. Awesome. They, well, so uh, there's a lot of uh, markets out there for uh, publishing genre fiction. And for the most part, they don't care who you are. They're like, send us the story. If it's a good story, we'll pay you money and we'll publish it. But there's a few that are like, and check this box if you are one of these uh, minorities. And I check the box for sexual minority and for religious minority because I am one of the most hated religious minorities in the country, according to every uh, survey, uh, at least up to a few years ago, uh, we're more hated than Muslims, atheists. And uh, under sexual minority, yes, I would say that the polyamory people generally get a lot of flack from the, the monogamous out there, like, oh, you're living this immoral lifestyle, and how could you? And so, yeah, I, I always check those. But I know what they're actually asking is, are you Muslim or gay? Right. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, I'm not those things, but 
screw you. you but know? by the word of your question, I'm answering honestly. Yeah. Right. And if you are part, I feel like I am being honest because if you are part of a minority that gets a lot of shit from the massive, the, the, the majority of the culture, I think it counts, right? Am I wrong about that? Uh, well, I guess it depends on the exact wording of the question, though. But religious minority, I think atheism is completely in that category. I don't think that you're, that you're really fudging on that one. Okay. I think a lot of people would draw contention with you calling it a religious anything. Mm-hmm. But for the intents and purposes of, like, getting all the legal benefits, sure. Or the legal, not benefits, well, benefits, sure. I always know. considered atheism to be basically a religion. Eh, I, I mean, I not, think people not, would disagree. It, it is, it is an religious alignment, I guess. Yeah, eh. religious alignment, I think. I always use it's a religion in the same way that not collecting stamps is a hobby. Or that baldness <laughs> is a hairstyle. Yeah, but it's not really because... It's not a religion, but it's a religious alignment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's not a religion. There's no strictures or anything, but there is... You've considered these things and you've come to the conclusion that it's bullshit and that the world is materialistic, which is still a philosophy that generally is confined to the religious domain, right? I like Shelley's version of religious alignment more. Yeah. Well, that, that was Inuyasha's words. Did you use alignment? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, I heard you. I heard you repeat it. Sorry. <laughs> so I think alignment is different than like a religion, yeah. right? This is sort of an aside. But no, the the questions are uh, extremely uh, loosely worded to the point where uh, they could mean almost anything. When they they, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I do not feel bad checking those because if they actually were to ask something like, have you slept with a man? Then I would be no. But they're like, are you under this entire spectrum of deviant, different, not deviant, but altered sexualities? I'm like, yes, I actually fall under several categories there. So that's actually a good distinction. I know when I give blood, they'll ask, you know, specifically because in some places it might still be the case. It's been a few years, but they care if you've, if you're a gay male. They right. want to know if you've had sex with a man. Yeah, yeah. And they ask you explicitly. Right. And I'm th- like, there's some men I'm attracted to. I've never had sex with any of them. <laughs> so. Well, no, Chris Hemsworth won't return my calls. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, I just have to become more popular. <laughs> so, you know, there's, at that point, you'd be lying to say yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess there's, there's a difference. I feel like we're getting a little sidetracked. Right. Sorry. Shelly, <laughs> you want to bring us back on? Oh, well, I did bring a few... Uh, links and and notes about the the topic, so maybe I can bring those up. Uh, the revelation principle. It's uh has to do with game theory and uh, economics, I suppose. Hmm, tell us about the revelation <laughs> principle. So first, I have to tell you what mechanism design is, which is even more complicated to talk about. People have described mechanism design as reverse game theory hmm. in that you start with the outcome you want as a function of the the elements that come into play so you, so you figure out what what you want to do for instance an outcome might be you want the person who needs the resource more to get it or something to get more of it okay or so whatever outcome it is so then you design a mechanism whereby the players can uh, within these restrictions of the mechanism, act in such a way that you'll get your outcome. And so the revelation principle is a fundamental principle in mechanism design. It says that if it is possible to create some mechanism, according to s- certain st- restrictions, I guess, I, I don't know the exact, the exact uh, thing, but anyway, you can, in theory, implement that same function in a mechanism where the player's 
do not have to lie. Okay, can you... I wasn't sure I understood exactly what all this is. Can uh, you summarize what, what, uh, what this means? Maybe I should just read the, the Wikipedia. Or if you can bring it home with an example, that works too. Are we talking about like when you're going to a car dealership and you're trying to negotiate with someone? That, that could be an example. Um, that's, that's always one of the things I hate about those sorts of interactions that you both know that you're lying He's giving you an artificially high price because he knows you're going to track him down. You're giving him an artificially low price because, you know, he's giving you a high price. And it's like, right. why do we have to go through these hours of bullshitting each other when we could both just start with very reasonable actual prices? Last time I went to a dealership. The what? Last time I went to a dealership, the guy came up to me. Hey, how much would you like to spend on a car today? Hmm. And I said, I would like to spend zero. <laughs> and I, I, I gave him kind of like, you know, a, a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like, I'm obviously kind yeah. of playing along, but I'm not going to play. Like I'm looking to spend somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 grand. It's like, no, I don't, I'm not going to like, if I can get what I want for 10, I want it for 10. Or if I can get it for five, that's what I want. So like, but I, he asked how much I want. Oh, I'd like to get a free car. Yeah. Like that's the honest answer. <laughs> and that, yeah, that makes things tough because the, if everyone could just say exactly what they wanted and be honest about it, you could much more easily allocate the resources or do what needs to be done efficiently. But since everyone thinks that the other people and for that matter, knows that the other people are going to be inflating theirs. You got to do it as well. Sort of. It depends. Isn't that what we got with our politics lately? It feels like. Do we want to go there? No. Okay. Fine. <laughs> but right. it, it just seems like people are like, oh, we got. So no. I'll I'll try and use this example from Wikipedia. Um, the utilitarian function is roughly that whoever values it more gets the the prize. Mm-hmm. Um. And it talks about auctions and how people are incentivized to bid lower than they really would value it so that they possibly can get the item for a lower price. But second price auction is a different strategy than your typical auction. It's a sealed bid auction and the highest bidder wins, but the price they have to pay is the second highest price that was bid. That is really cool. Yeah. So people are less incentivized to be deceptive ab- about how much they really would pay. Well, hold on. Wouldn't it be really easy then to just put down a billion dollars and then whoever made the most reasonable offer, you'd actually just pay whatever they were going to pay? Yeah. So like, if, you, you could guarantee that you'd win for whatever like a reasonable price would but be. But if someone put down a billion minus one dollars, then you right. have to pay a billion minus one. Indeed. Uh, I guess if you were the only person that you knew who was going to be a dick and not play by, <laughs> play by the spirit of the game. No. <laughs> no, um, so... Yeah, you can't just ma- maximize it because everyone's going to maximize it, you know. But there's always a chance that you, your your bid is actually going to be the second highest and then that's ac- going to actually be the price. Right. right. I've, well, then if your bid is the second highest, then you won't get what you want, but some other idiot is stuck paying a paying billion dollars for, you know, whatever thing you bid it on, right? I, <laughs> I hadn't heard it called that before, but I heard it uh, that being proposed as one of the ways to solve the government contractor problem where since in a lot of areas the governments are required to take the lowest bidder uh companies will just give fake low bids and then you know oops we ran over on cost oops this take a month longer than we thought and this is why everything goes over budget now because you you lie to get the contract and uh uh, someone proposed that the rule be changed to you have to take the second lowest bid Mm. which you know punishes the people who go artificially low well, that's, that's slightly different from It the, is, this. it is. But it, yeah. it, just, it reminded me of that. Yeah. It was a very cool concept. So the revelation principle says that for any mechanism that 
that actually accomplishes something there if that mechanism involves deception there's a different one that could also accomplish it that does not involve deception okay does it does it say how to do that? No. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I... And in some cases, like even if there's theoretically this other game you could be playing in which you don't have to lie, are you really going to be able to convince everyone to play that game instead right. of the, the game that we are playing? So, yeah, I guess maybe the difference, just running with the example given, is like where you're doing this second bid auction, but you're not telling anybody until the end versus one where you tell them at the beginning. Is that... Yeah, well, well, that's a totally different game there. Yeah, so I guess I'm not really sure... Let me let me ask this a different way. When you and I talked about this once, we talked about like just lying in general, and you were like, "No, I think I can find some defensible cases for that." Or you came off speaking more in favor of it to a level where I was surprised. Hmm. Why? What? I'm not sure. Was there some miscommunication was... between us, or it may have just been a reaction against the extreme honesty idea of of uh, rationality? I saw someone recently. Uh, I showed this to you earlier. Uh, I saw someone recently on a post from a kind of rationalist memer person, Rob Wiblin. Everyone here knows Rob Wiblin, right? No? Okay, anyways. He he, he posted something, and uh, a commenter replied that she was really annoyed by the fact that everyone has to pretend that honesty is this most important thing ever, and everyone has to be honest all the time because of her commitment to honesty, because that means people are lying about the fact that sometimes lying is the best thing to do in consequentialist terms. I read what you're talking about and she yeah. conflated honesty with free speech. I uh, think she well, even the, said the original to, post was about free speech. I know, but yeah. she, I think she even said that for her, the two are the same. Okay. And I think that they're different. That honesty and free speech are different. Yes. Yeah. Well, different. One is the protection to say whatever you want without fear of getting thrown in jail or killed or hurt. Mm-hmm. And the other one is being able to, or I guess being encouraged to, or whatever is, is not deceiving somebody. Right. right. So there's, there's a difference. Yeah, but I, I think she was annoyed that everyone is always saying you have to always tell the truth. There's no reason ever to lie. And she's saying that in itself is a lie. Is she that lying about that? What's that? <laughs> I had to make that joke at least once. <laughs> like, so, I mean, that that's always my joke about somebody who defends lying. I'm like, are you lying right now? I th- yeah, I think it is actually fairly rare, even among rationalists, to say that there's absolutely no cases where it's it's good utility to lie. I mean, there was the you can't dismiss universal... Ality? Was it universalizability? What fuck? I don't even know. <laughs> right. And even in that post, I think the ultimate conclusion that Scott ends up drawing is rather not not like don't ever lie, but don't make decisions where you erase the possibility of positive some uh deals. His his right. example was really fascinating. Have you read the post? I'm sure I have, but I can't remember the it, example. It's the one where he says a soldier is captured by the enemy, and the enemy asks, where is your headquarters located? And he can either tell them the truth or lie. And if he tells them the truth, they bomb the headquarters, they take out his leadership. Or he can lie, they bomb an empty warehouse. And then uh, after that, they don't trust him anymore. They don't ask him. So instead of bombing just the headquarters, they're like, well, shit, we know that the headquarters is somewhere in the city. They just nuke the city to get rid of it. And then the prisoner of war is like, well, shit. I would have much rather that they just take out the HQ with the leadership than nuking the entire city. And uh, Scott pointed out that if they assumed that the guy was just going to lie to them, they wouldn't have wasted their time or their resources. The fact that he might tell them the truth is why they asked. And if you commit to, you know, I will lie when it is in my advantage, then they no longer, there's, there's no longer that 
possibility for trade of information that even though I don't want my HQ to die, I want my whole city to exist much more. So I'm willing to make that trade even though it's kind of a shitty trade. And he's saying if you are committed to lie about that to protect your own side, then you're just going to get your city nuked instead. Well, that's that's just a bigger version of the Kant uh, yes. dilemma, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I can see what they're saying. It could just as well be where they just have one bomb or some other ridiculous constraint on the on the problem where they only have one bomb and they're going to send it wherever you tell them to because they're idiots or you know whatever it is right yeah. i mean that that's that's worth considering but that's that's just you know what are the fallouts of of lies and then you're kind of responsible for those too yeah. um you're also responsible for the truth so i mean one thing that you might say in the situation is fuck off right i'm not going to tell you where they are but because then they're going to nuke the city right is, oh are they threatening you to are, are they making that explicit that's, or, that's basically their choice. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, yeah. Then you just do the math and, you know, do I want my squadron and my, my commanders dead or do I want everybody I know and love dead? I mean, that, that's not hard either. I mean, that, that's obviously a hard decision to make, but that's not hard to sit here and make from our armchairs. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you're hoping that if they hit the empty warehouse, that'll give your side a little bit more time to make a counterattack and take them out before they can go ahead and take out the city. That's a fair point. I mean, certainly... Once you start like picking at too many details, then you can find some way around it, right? The scenario kind of implies that lying is a last resort weapon that you should only use if you know you're you're ever going to be able to use that again. No one's going ever going to trust you again. So save yeah. your lie up till the <laughs> <laughs> until it really matters. Yeah. I mean that's that's what I'm working on. That's my long con, right? With being <laughs> nice the last five years is then when it Ten does years from now you're going to rip off your face I'm like I'm an alien motherfucker <laughs> well I mean then time to feast and then when someone asks you know when the when you know so like I mean that that is one of the things I guess man to make this just super sound super we I talked about sociopathic self-interest before it could be in your long-term sociopathic best interests to be a radically honest, honest for the next few years to live a really big lie to tell then everyone will believe it because you have this good reputation of being so honest oh my god that's not I, what i'd advocate i would advocate <laughs> for doing it for for other reasons did but I, I, did i ever tell you what happened to me as a teenager no <laughs> it was basically this oh my god <laughs> although i kind of wasted it i guess although not really so okay i uh, i'm generally pretty shitty at lying i just i'm i'm not good at it uh and Basically, everyone knows this about me. My parents know I'm crappy at lying. <laughs> and so I don't try to do it very often. When I do, I'm usually caught and it sucks. But uh, one time I called my sister a bitch. Uh, and that is a big deal in my house. And my sister went and told my parents. I think I was like 14 at this time. And my parents came up to me and were like, did you call your sister a bitch? And I was like... I'm going to die. <laughs> I will not see the sun ever again. And I said, no, I wouldn't do that. That's horrible. Oh. With totally straight face. Like this was the one time in my life I needed to lie. <laughs> and uh, having that reputation for being really shitty at lying saved me because I pulled it off entirely. Wow. It was crazy. And uh, yeah. And looking back on it, that was a terrible time to waste it. Yeah. But on the other hand, it they believed me, so I guess I didn't actually that, waste it. <laughs> that was the beginning of your deceptive period in your life, Yes, right? I suppose so. <laughs> and it also feels weird because now I'm telling everybody, hey, even though I'm generally really shitty at lying, if it's really important to me, I can pull one over on you. <laughs> if you're a terrified 14-year-old, maybe. Yeah. There was a great Louis C.K. joke along the same lines uh, where he's talking about when his, his, he had like two daughters, like, I don't know, nine and seven years old mm -hmm. and how the older one's just figuring out lying as a thing <laughs> okay. and how it's like, how can I tell them not to do that when it's only a perfect solution to every problem they right. have right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, all right, so they're terrified and they can, they can be, they can 
tell the truth and get in trouble or they can just lie and I'll believe them and it'll be fine. So anyway, it, it, that brought mind, that brought that to mind. And, and if they started practicing lying young, maybe they'd get better at it. Oh God. <laughs> that is not something you want. <laughs> but there's also, I think in a post by Eliezer on less wrong, a comment, I think he suggested that maybe lying to other people makes you better at lying to yourself. And then, then you're really screwed. Yeah. I just recently read an article uh, that said, God, what was the, I don't remember the details because I, I didn't really read it. I skimmed it. But it was along the lines of talking in euphemisms, like uh, like you see in the Godfather movies, like, oh, it'd be terrible if an accident were to happen to your <laughs> place of business. Maybe I, I can help protect it for uh. $100. Uh, talking in euphemisms rather than being direct uh, makes it much easier for people to not only be uh, dishonest and do morally bad things, but to not feel bad about it. Like just using those words, even though you know what you're doing, you'll feel less bad mm. by dancing around it. So another good reason to just be direct and honest about things. Or I can see that. Really don't trust anyone who starts using euphemistic language for bad behavior. <laughs> I mean, just don't trust anyone who uses euphemistic language in general. I guess. I can think of a couple of examples. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's hard to see how using euphemisms for things that aren't bad is going to have that effect. Like you don't always want to say penis. Every now and then you can say schlong. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not called upon to, to talk about penises a lot in my daily life. So You have the wrong job, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I can think of a couple of anecdotes where that support Eliezer's uh, post that mm. people who practice lying can be better at dishonesty. And mm. then the kind of reverse of that is that if you're, committed to being honest not just with other people but with yourself you're you can i mean so like why is being dishonest to yourself bad you know so if you if you acknowledge that it is bad and that you'd rather not be dishonest to yourself well you can face that and you can solve it you can approach that a lot quicker if you fa- if you commit to being honest with yourself and with other people mm-hmm. all right so there was a book that sam harris wrote that was really short like 50 pages on lying and he gave this anecdote where he was valed- valedictorian of i think either his, I think it was a college that he, or a high school or a college that he went to. And they wanted him to give the the commencement speech or something. And he was like, Oh no, I think somebody who's been to the school the full years, you know, I think he transferred in should, should do the speech instead when really he was just terrified of public speaking. Mm-hmm. And so being called upon to face that with himself would have been an avenue to addressing that problem earlier in his life. Right. Right. My own example was also academic, but it was like sixth grade. I went through an elementary school that was K through six. And in sixth grade, I was going to the junior high school for math. And I ended up dropping out because what I told, I don't remember now looking back if I actually believed this myself or if I knew that I was lying. I think I must have known on some level that I wasn't being honest because I remember that it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. That I told people, no, I miss being back at my school with my friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. When really it was like, I'm struggling too much and this is stressful. Mm And if I had said, you know, no, look, I'm struggling, this is stressful, I might have been able to get like more assistance or something and, you know, kept up with that math program. Yeah. But really, it was, I just told people, no, no, I, I have this other reason. It's not because it's too hard. It's I just don't want to anymore. Mm-hmm. And that, that let sixth grade Stephen back out of this, this math program. So I think those lies both came from, the, St. Harris's example in mind came from being able to lie to other people about what I was actually thinking. Let me, let me make it, made it easier to lie to myself, which was Eliezer's point. And I think that there's, I guess in my experience, there's, there's good reason to believe that. Yeah. And there's a really good reason to try to not lie to yourself as much as possible. That's where you really 
yeah. screw your life over. Well, I mean, like even think of like a really hard question, you know, you see your friend and ask her, how'd you get that bruise on your face? Mm. And she, you know, it, and the, ac- the actual answer is that her spouse or her partner's hitting her, but she gives you some answer, you know, that's, that's obviously a lie. Well, the longer she can entertain that, the longer she doesn't have to face the reality that she's in an abusive relationship. Right. So, I mean, it's, there's, but I mean, she knows she's in an abusive relationship. The more insidious ones are the ones like you were saying, where you were just, you didn't realize that, I mean, I guess you kind of at some level realized that you were struggling. But I was able to not make that my central focus. Yeah. yeah. This, this example is more of just like being able to face a hard truth, right? Yeah. And that if you're, if you commit to honesty, you're going to face it right now and right away. There's no putting it off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a different. It's really hard of, to unflinchingly look at things that are difficult like that. Yeah, for sure. On the other hand, if you really unflinchingly look at the fact that you're willing to lie to other people, then you can also be, maybe tell the truth to yourself by recognizing that what you said to the other person is a lie, right? Well not, played. Not being <laughs> taken in by your own lies. Bringing by, it around and making admi- it all meta and shit. Admitting to yourself that you were lying. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're being honest with yourself, that you're being dishonest to other people, you're like, okay, well, I know when I'm being dishonest. Yeah. I'm being dishonest now. I'll be honest to myself right. when I want. <laughs> yeah, that, that's... It, it that requires could be more true. mental energy, though. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't know of any... And you may have the stress of knowing that you're lying, so... Yeah, I think generally my thing about lying is that, for the most part, it's unnecessary and you're causing unne- unneeded stress. And, you know, so the examples that people run to aren't really examples that people use in day-to-day life. And that's... So that's what I thought you were defending when we were talking about lying, mm. you know, a few months ago. Well, I uh, think what... I. Th- as I recall that conversation, you were suggesting some kind of radical change in reality that might improve things. And one of the the things you suggested was, what if people were just incapable of lying? Mm. And that seems to me like something terrible. Terrible. (laughs) Like, first of all, you, you, you you're unable to speak the words that you want to speak, even just because they're false. (laughs) Yeah, I, mm. I remember the conversation now, or at least I remember that prompt. And that's right. I did say, so I think I remember what the specific prompt was, but I think we're talking about like what's one small change you could make that would, yeah. that you think would make the world a better place. And I do think that there'd be some awkwardness to overcome in the first few days or first few weeks. And as as we kind of discussed, the, those uh, high stakes um, situations where violence could happen are not that uncommon. They They are definitely threats in people's lives. But do you think if no one could lie, then there would be less of those threats? If, if you know, someone asked a guy, you know, how's your relationship doing? And his answer would have to be like, eh, not that good. I beat my wife every week. Probably wouldn't happen as much with the beating of the wife, right? So, I mean, that, that, that could be one way to kind of beat this scenario. So, yeah, the axe-wielding psychopath might come to your house less often if that person was compelled to honesty for the last, you know, for, for the entirety of his life, because what are the odds he would still be out on the street? You know, if that was his first break or whatever, and that's the first time he's going to do something crazy, but if he's been, you know, violent his whole life and he, he's incapable of hiding that fact, I don't know if this is actually something that I would, I don't, this isn't a flush out enough idea for me to get behind and defend all the way. Like, I can't think of the benefits of lying that are so great that I wouldn't gladly make the world lie free. That there, I mean, I admit there's definitely some benefits to it, but I think the costs of it are great enough that they really overwhelm it. And just imagine like how much more relaxed everyone can be if they weren't having to read into everything everyone said. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that, oh, our, our government officials lie to us was like a fact of life, right? Mm-hmm. That just, you know, I mentioned politics earlier. Or like, you know, again, our, our employers, our family or whatever, 
Well, people still have the ability to withhold information, and particularly people who are more powerful would have more ability to withhold information. And it would be the people with less power who would be put on the spot and be like forced to answer direct questions more often. And more so often, but like you could still get like a government official, you know, under if they're if they're testifying and you ask them direct questions. If they say, "I'd rather not answer that," you can just phrase the question and say, "Look, whatever." government person, I'm going to ask you, you know, have you been embezzling money? If you try and, if it, a dodge is yes, yes or no, you know, so mm, like, that's not a fair question. You, you can always, you can't tell someone refusing to answer is admitting guilt. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm thinking specifically like in a court, but I didn't mean to interrupt your, your analogy. I was well, just, in a court, don't, don't we have the fifth amendment? I think we wouldn't need that. That, I mean, that's, we do, but I'm not, a, I've never been a constitution worshiper. So uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if in the, in a court, the, all of a sudden these questions become even more like likely to self-incriminate you. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I, again, this, this sounds like it's way more distant from what we're talking about. Like actually, you know, real life on the ground, how to live our lives, but in a world where people didn't lie. Um, and you're asking, you know, the president, you know, did, did you again, embezzle, whatever it is. And if they say, I'm not going to answer that, then you're like, Oh, well they would answer if the answer was no. <laughs> and so I get like why you're not supposed to self-incriminate, but in a, but if it, I guess if you're, if it's impossible to not get called out by being dishonest, you know, you could make a, just, you, you couldn't make a career out of dishonesty. You know, you probably just implement a blanket policy of never answering questions. Right. If you, then, you're, then your answer to how's your day is like, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. That would just be your answer to everything. Well, I mean, you could answer very simple ones like that, but anything dealing with anything legal, you'd be like, I don't answer questions about legality. Sorry. Like a lot of people have the, the rule that I do not answer questions about what I make or I do not answer questions about my sexuality. If a boss asks you, so are you gay? You're like, that's not an appropriate question for you to ask. In this situation, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing if I could limit the power to lie you know, like, so maybe if we want to maintain lying for our personal lives for whatever reason, right. it would be kind of cool if it was like impossible to lie on the floor of the Senate. Right. You know, like where, where our representatives couldn't get up there and intentionally deceive each other or us. Right. Mm. And I get why, how that has all kinds of implications that like, oh, you're saying they can't actually say what they want to say. You're like, you're, you're compelling them to do things I'm like, yeah, kind of. Mm. Um, but I mean, these aren't average people with average powers. Right. These are the last people on earth that you want deceiving people. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just feel like the people, th these these people with greater power than average would be the least likely to ever be put on the spot in that situation. Like, if lying did not exist, maybe democracy would, would explode the next day. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Although I, I think in the examples that I'm, I'm running out, like, these are the people that exactly would be called out. You know, so, like, if you ask them... Uh, I, I can't really think of any non, you know, are these, are these, uh, sexual assault allegations, do they have merit and you can't lie about it. You want to know if you're, if your congressperson's a rapist and, you know, like, uh, so like they, they, I can see where like a power imbalance might make things tough when dealing I think we'd with, probably end up with a lot more Trumps. I like, feel yeah. One of the weird things yeah. about Trump is that he's post-truth. Well, no matter what he like, says, it doesn't matter. You're like, hey, he could be telling the truth. He could be lying. He doesn't even know. So I disagree. I feel like it would be impossible for, for us to have gotten a Trump if, if it was 
if a candidate or well, because I don't, I don't if, think if, if, if like imagine like you know like when you when you're in court and you're like I swear on the Bible or you know you make yeah. a swear you make an oath of, of truth. Yeah. Imagine if it became impossible for you to lie for the next hour. Right, right? but so, I, do, I don't think Trump even lies all that much. He just randomly blurts out things that come into his head without evaluating their truth function at all or their truth value at all. Given the definition that we used of trying to communicate a belief that you know to be false yeah. to somebody, it's true that it's entirely possible that if, that if, if the, if the messenger of this is completely devoid of an internal monologue, I mean, or there's, who, or there's knows, nothing, who it, knows if he even believes in the concept of truth. I, I was sort of making a joke. Like if the lights aren't on, then there's nothing <laughs> yeah. like, then they're, not, they're not convincing anything. You know, like if I, if I have my computer print out random statements about different colors of the sky, it's not lying. It's just, yeah. it's just saying in stuff. In fact, you're really strongly that, incentivized to lie to yourself under this scheme. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. To, to deceive yourself so that you could never have to be lying to other people. Maybe if you knew that's what you're doing. And again, this, this is not, something that I want to spend a lot of time defending because it's not really a solid idea. I think we were, we were entertaining it as a thought experiment, yeah. but it was, uh, I don't think, I certainly don't have a developed enough opinion on that to like sit here and talk about it or to, I guess, what I'm getting at is don't write in and how dumb that is because <laughs> I, I, get, I get that it's not the best idea, but I was, it is fun to think about. Um, I mean, yeah, if you could deceive yourself, I don't know. I don't, I, I guess it depends. You know, I couldn't convince myself if I wanted to that the sky was red. Right. But that's sort of an aside. So <laughs> uh, well, um, I did want to briefly go back to the discussion of not technically lying. Okay. And you mentioned how in uh, Harry Potter and the methods of rationality, Harry does this a lot. Yeah. It and should have been one of my early clues that he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> that he's the true villain of the piece. Well, or at least partly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, actually this comment back from 2009 by Eliezer, seems to imply that he maybe is not as much of a, a not technical liar as Harry, but he has some some leanings towards that. It seems he said he writes um, that one of the primary motivations against lying is losing your reputation, like getting a reputation for lying. And, mm. and then he says, um, at least if you get a reputation for not technically lying, your words still mean things, <laughs> right? Okay. It's not like people are just going to completely discount everything you say because you lie a lot. Your words actually do still mean things if you technically don't lie. They just have to be carefully double-checked. Yeah, that's not, that's not, someone with that reputation is not someone that I would find worthy of engaging in a conversation because I don't want to have to sit there and analyze every single sentence for hours to see how it could have possibly been, you know, twisted. Well, on the other hand, if someone is writing to you and you have time to go over their words that... It's still not worth it. No? No. It's, I, I can see how it could be a reputation. It could be a cool reputation to have as in like, oh, that guy's really smart. That is some clever, witty things he did with designing. But uh, still not someone I would want to engage with if, uh, if I knew that was a thing they did often. I mean, I assume everyone lies from time to time, and I have not cut off all communication with the outside world. So yeah. I accept some level of lying from people. But if it was, if it was a, a constant thing, it would be like talking to you know Loki or one of the trickster gods. But, but there's you can't also trust anything what they say. a spectrum between... Uh, explicit lying and complete non-deception and in between that like the the level of not technically lying yeah. right there's there are 
ways where you can sort of mislead people, but not that not that much, or at least not that egregiously. Right? I hope I'm not the only person right now thinking of the the magic users from the Wheel of Time book series. Never read it. The Aes Sedai, okay. that's the name of the magic users, and when they attain the position of, of you know, being uh, formal, whatever, uh, they just call them uh, whatever. It's this whole thing, but they take three oaths that they're bound to, like you remember like like an unbreakable vow in, in Methods of Rationality. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They, they're incapable of not doing it. So one of them is to never speak a word that isn't true. Oh. And so they're famously annoying to deal with. And everybody hates talking to them because <laughs> they know that, they're, that they're, there's going to be this eyes to die trickery in their, in their statements that they're going to make me think something, but it's not really true, but it's technically true. Mm-hmm. But... And they all know that the, the magic users, they know that they have this reputation and that they can, you know, they have this Loki, this forked Loki tongue. Mm-hmm. But what it does do is maintains, like you're saying, that if they say if they say something direct, then you know it's true because yeah. you know they can't lie. So like there's a difference, obviously, in that humans can. But it does. I guess it, it is, is nice to have that that ability to be taken completely seriously if you say something direct and unambiguous. Yeah. But having the general reputation of being incapable of having an honest conversation and dealing with, you know, fairly isn't really worth it. Like it's better to kind of have both, right? To not be dishonest for all intents and purposes Mm -hmm. and to be able to be trusted when you give a direct statement. But yeah, if you have to pick one or if you, if you, if you can have one, then go for it. Is that sort of what he's saying and what, what you would get behind? Or I feel like I'm talking yeah, I, the way I've got I mean, my microphone is I'm facing towards yeah. Inyash more, so oh. I'm, I'm not looking at. So I've tried to adjust because I'm not looking at Shelly that much, and I feel like I'm not engaging no, you enough. No, that's cool. Um, I, I I think he's just saying like generally try to not lie, but if you have to be deceptive, try to maybe not technically lie and downgrade your deception. Try to be clever about it. Yeah, and and that the cost of one is definitely less than the cost of the other because one is is like almost a nuclear option if you're going to get a reputation for lying. Right. But yeah. also I want to point. talk about two other posts by Eliezer. Ends don't justify means among humans mm, and one. protected from myself, which I think is maybe right next to it in the sequence. Okay. So the f- first one talks about how as humans, we are running on corrupted hardware. And so our judgments can't really be trusted, and in the most uh, high stakes and fuzzy, hard to judge situations, you want to have some kind of hard rule that you always follow, even if it seems to you like it's the wrong rule in that case. Because you're running on corrupted hardware, you're probably going to get it wrong. Should we quickly define corrupted hardware? What is meant by that? Go for, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Me, all right, personally. All right. Uh, the the concept that uh, so it kind of draws a distinction between the mind as being more like software and uh, the body as like the computer, the hardware that our mind is run on. And if you know you are dealing with a computer that has been the hardware itself has been corrupted, someone hostile to you has access to it, you can't really trust any software that runs on it because no matter how good the software is and how well you've checked it, there could be something in the hardware where uh, whenever you add these two bits together, it'll spit out a three instead of a two. It, 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 there's just no way to get around it. And so you, 
if you have to make allowances for knowing that you are dealing with a piece of hardware that has been corrupted, that it can be wrong in ways that it is impossible to tell what those ways are. And uh, that's, that's kind of what he means, that your body can hijack your thought process in ways that are invisible to you and that will look like you are running correctly even though you are not. And there's no way for you to tell. And the only way to avoid this is by having some very hard rules that you will never, ever break, even when it is obvious that you have to break the rule right now. I think this is kind of where Kant comes, Kant comes from, that he, he has this rule, never, ever lie, even if it looks like, in this one case, I should lie, because really, there's no reason to let an axe murderer know that my friend is in the basement. That's the, his argument would be like, that is your hardware, it has been corrupted, it is lying to you, stick with the rule. I, w- I would assume it was what Kant would say if he was around nowadays and a computer programmer. <laughs> mm, well, certainly you can you can maybe see the seeds of that kind of thinking in Kant. His uh, Eliezer's example was that it always feels like you need to overthrow the current leadership of the tribe for the good of the tribe, because you will all right. be wiped out if you keep going down this ruinous path. And then somehow, once you're the leader, sh- uh, once you're the leader, it seems like why shouldn't I right. give you know special favors to my friends? They supported me in this fight, and it's it's okay for me to take a few extra riches from the pool because look at how much I have sacrificed for the good. And and so he's saying that is your hardware, basically saying you are not in the most advantageous position in society. Kill the people who are, take their stuff, and now spread your genes. Yeah. So thus the rule, never ever kill the leadership and take control of the tribe, <laughs> even for the good of the tribe. Yeah, because you will trick yourself into thinking you're being altruistic when probably your, your programming, evolution programmed you to have other truer motivations. Which is one of the reasons that we say do not punch fascists if they're just talking to a reporter on the street, right? Small nitpick with the example, yeah. never kill the, the tribe leader and take the tribe, take ownership of the tribe yourself because, mm-hmm. you know, you're... Unless he's Hitler. Well, I'm wondering what if you're what if you're just killing the tribe leader because you think that it, the tribe leader is going to ruin the ruin your civilization. That's and that, you're not and you're not saying I'm going to make a power grab. That is literally what he's saying. Is he's saying don't do. make a power grab for yourself afterwards as well because that has all those obviously evolutionary. Uh, well, no, I mean, once you're the leader, you get all sorts of evolutionary advantages. Well, no, I'm saying don't be a leader. If you're just saying, look, I don't oh, even just want kill the, the leader pa- and then leave. Well, or like, just so this doesn't make it sound like we're talking about contemporary politics, um, <laughs> Harry in Methods of Rationality talks about putting Hermione in charge of the government that he that he overthrows because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't trust himself. Mm-hmm. But I'll put Hermione in charge because she's like the most good person out there. Mm-hmm. So that's not the same thing. That, that seems like you're, cave- you're taking cover for the idea that, yes, I know that I'm not equipped, that if I want to overthrow the government, I probably shouldn't be running it, but I'll put this really nice person in charge. <laughs> Yeah, that's that may be a a good compromise. Just checking to see right. if there's any wiggle room there. Yeah, I think just there is, just out of curiosity. I think there's some some wiggle, especially since like the injection isn't really don't kill the leader; it's don't kill people. Yes. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm on board with that. By the way, yeah. <laughs> right. I realized that I made it sound like I was talking about politics, and I was really just looking to nitpick that example. So we're all on board with not killing people. <laughs> Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I I guarantee you'll both survive this podcast. (laughs) Now I'm actually worried. (laughs) Now I never want to stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything I say is a lie. (laughs) Oh no, I was going to say we're guaranteed to to survive the podcast. 
and then I'm like, oh, well, well, well no, never... we're not, but we're guaranteed <laughs> to have some evidence left over <laughs> if we keep recording. Very well. <laughs> there was another thing that I looked up. Some. Oh, did you want to? What was the second one? Protected from myself. Oh. Or was that the same? Uh, um, it was kind of along the same lines, but uh, Eliezer did talk about three reasons why his injunction against lying has protected him from himself. Ooh, nice. Um, number one, the honest way often has a simplicity that transgressions lack. That, that I think that's one of the ones that we teach to children about why they shouldn't lie. Two, he was stricter with himself and held himself to a higher standard when he was doing various things that he considered himself ethically obligated to do. So just mm. like the feeling of obligation and of like ethical rightness was maybe held him to a higher standard than the idea that this is going to be practical. And three, the wisdom of history suggests that the constraints that help you to avoid other hurting other people may also stop you from hurting yourself. So that that's just kind of like a general trend, I guess, he's noticing in history that people do certain things to be nice to others, and it ends up working out well for themselves in general. Seems like a, a rule about human life in general. I don't know. Maybe I'm coming from a very privileged position, but it seems to me that like people who are nicer to other people tend to have better lives. Well, I think that our our society has evolved in such a way as to make altruism beneficial. Like we treat people who seem altruistic better. Yeah, I also sort of just wonder about people who you know are dishonest and you know overly self interested. There's the real question to ask: like, are they as happy as people who aren't like that? Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of different ways to ask that question and to, to analyze different answers, but it's at least conceivable that they just, that people, you know, I guess you could just say bad people, you know, they might have all the money and all the nice cars or whatever, but are they really as happy as other people? Yeah. You know, especially like if you're, if you're a compulsive, if you're a, if you have, have a reputation as a liar and everybody around that you know, knows that you'll lie when it's convenient for you, you can never really forge a real relationship with somebody because they, they'll never be able to, be reasonably confident that you're being honest with them. And I, I don't think it's just the reputation thing. I, having met a couple people like this in my life, I just, it seems like they're unhappy and, and they're, it's their own damn fault and there's no way they can be happy because they think that everyone else is like this too. They, there, there is no one they can trust and it's kind of sad. Agreed. I don't know. I don't, I'm not even sure if you'd have to go as far as a typical mind your own you know, dishonesty to be, be unhappy, but certainly that would lead to unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Not only if everyone knows that they can't trust you to be honest with them, but if you don't believe that they'll be honest with you, mm-hmm. then yeah, that, that makes the very valuable part of human life of like having connections with people impossible. I agree with that. Uh, I would also uh, emphasize the, the fact that it is specific to human psychology. You can imagine some non-human mind that wouldn't have this problem. Oh, sure. But... I am talking about us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to talk about animals also. Animals do engage in deceptive behavior. Um, Both deceiving and detecting deception are things that have evolved kind of in a sort of an arms race against each other. Right. And this particular study from 2001 gave a, a bunch of anecdotes about animals doing things that seem to be designed to deceive well, you can't just say that and not give us an oh. anecdote. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's one about hyenas. They, these were 
captive hyenas, I believe, um, or at least in a, such a situation where the researchers could introduce st stimuli and see how they're going to respond. So the researchers put a piece of meat in a particular place before the hyenas got there. And I, I guess the hyenas probably expected this kind of thing to happen for now, n now and then. So the first, only one of them arrived on the scene initially, saw the meat, took it over to the pond and dunked it under the water and sat on it. And then the other ones came along. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so this, this initial guy, he's acting like, well, there was never any meat. And pr probably you would think that was, that was a deliberate deception, right? Like yeah. he doesn't want them to know. He's trying to make them think that there's no meat. Um, but what a jerk! No <laughs> <laughs> wonder hyenas get such a bad reputation. <laughs> but but the other hyenas seem to expect that there there should have been something. Maybe they smelled it, or they just are used to the researchers putting stuff out there for them, or for some reason. So they go on a search, and they find they find it under the water, <laughs> and they took it take it away from him and make sure to punish him by not letting him eat any of it at all while the rest of them got to eat it. So even even so ethically questionable hyenas have a standard yeah. to punish defectors when yeah. they're being dishonest. Um, I didn't, I, I couldn't cite this, but I did hear on a podcast recently that apparently, like a lot of the birds that we think mate for life, you can test the DNA of the offspring, and it turns out there's tons of infidelity. Yeah, but it's great, you know, for your genetic fitness for you to find a better mate. But if that mate won't roost with you, you find one that will, and. This sounds like a metaphor for life, uh, but, um, uh, but that seems like another example where, I mean, it with birds, I'm less convinced that there's something that it's like, like they're planning this out in the way the hyena did, mm -hmm. but there might be, you know, something I, I, I'm wondering what's going through their heads, but there doesn't really have to be anything going through their heads to make this happen. Yeah. But with the hyena, with, all, with that level of deception, it sounds like they definitely were thinking those ones are on their way. I need to do something about this. You know, so like it sounds like, oh, there's a there's a body of water nearby. Yeah. So like it sounds like there was some thinking that went into that. Yeah. Do you have any other examples? That sounds like fun. <laughs> well, there's some examples with chimps, but those you kind of would expect chimps to be closer to humans in their ability to model other people's minds and stuff, right? Those I mean, are I, that's not that surprising. No, well, I mean, I guess not. It's it's still interesting though. Like I don't think of animals as deceptive at all. Like. <laughs> Steven, are you, are you with me on this? No, I no. I mean, it, it depends if you ever, you know, my parents have two dogs mm. and I guess they, they both, they kind of do regular dog stuff, but one blames the other <laughs> for, for making a mess. <laughs> and like, you can tell, like, you know, you might've been with the other one the whole time, yeah. but you know, like you've seen like gifts online or something of a, you know, ruined trash cans all knocked over and then a dog just like laying you know not like making deliberate <laughs> like rigidness not to make eye contact with you because it knows that it's in trouble uh -huh. but you know you can see other ones where they all well, seem to implicate the other animal or something i i'm sure i've seen one where a cat blamed a dog for something i'll see if i can pull up a gift how, do, um, how, does, the, how does one animal blame another animal i feel like maybe it dragged something into another room or something i oh. I, I, I might just have to wait for one of these to come up organically i don't wouldn't even know what to search for but yeah i think that that they can they can like, nope, he did it. Um, Maybe I just have a naive, idyllic view of nature. Because yeah. I'm like, animals are wonderful. Why would they lie to anything, anyone? I, I wish I could think of a specific example, but I'm pretty sure I've seen them. I'll see if I can find one. But yeah, so if these abilities evolved, they certainly do have some kind of perhaps limited usefulness in 
But I, mean, I think yeah. there's a difference between useful and commendable, though. Yeah. Like, it can be useful to beat someone to death, but I don't <laughs> think it's a good thing to do. I, yeah, I agree. Like, there's, there's, it's begging like a naturalistic fallacy. I mean, it's, I, I bet deceivers and, and perfect psychopaths were, did very well evolutionarily, right? Like, if you got away your entire life and had this web of lies crafted to where, you know, you'd, you died a hero, but in reality you were some monster yeah. that, you know, that, that could work out well for, for you and, and for your evolutionary fitness. But that's certainly not the kind of thing we'd want to foster right now, right? Maybe it's worth mentioning that when you're closer to someone, you're actually less able to tell when they're lying than when you're not close really? to them. Yeah. That is very worth mentioning. And very disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen's been I, lying to me this whole time. When you were beginning that sentence, I'm like... I'm, I, I could feel my heart warming, like, oh, you're going to say the closer you are, the harder it is for someone to lie to you. But no, the harder <laughs> it is for you to detect dishonesty. Is it because they know you better so they can lie to you better or what? Maybe. I'm not sure. And it's only one study that I read about. And so whether it's good study or not, whether it replicates or not, I don't know. That's a bummer. Yeah. That is a bummer. So the, the, the lesson is do not trust the ones you love. The, the more you like, the more you love someone, the less you can trust them. The real lesson is don't take life lessons from Inyash. Um, <laughs> it's probably probably Halo effect. Maybe I would I would guess that something like that is going on. Sure, it's true. You could be blinded by how much you love them. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't love them this much if they were liars, and you know, therefore, you know, the kind of you just get that reverse causality in your brain. Yeah. Do you practice any general lying that, you know, you do now? I mean, you don't have to, like, obviously, I guess. <laughs> so what is it that you've never on. told us? I'm always oh. completely honest. Hold on. So, like, I mean, I, I will, I can't, I don't think I've been pulled over in the last few years. But, like, I use that example. Like, if I did have drugs in the car and they asked mm. me, I would I would say no. Well, that's just but, common sense. Well, but, I mean, I'm. it is common sense, but I'm coming from a position of advocating radical honesty, right? So, right. well, uh, I mean, it's, but, I, it's but I do acknowledge that you, in that circumstance. It's tough when you have moral objections to the laws. There, I got... Pulled into a whole thing where I thought this law is bullshit. So fine, whatever. I don't. I don't care. I. I can lie about it, and and it still kind of sucks. But what are you supposed to do? Help enforce a law that you have moral objections to? Right. Or you know, go to jail for for decades or something that you believe you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, all right. Let me think of a different example just to end this on a fun day. You know, day to day life. Your partner asks, does this outfit make me look fat or does it, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you say, of course not, like you're supposed to, or do, are you honest with them? Every now and then you get asked questions like, how do you like my new haircut? And I, I, this has happened to me not too long ago. And I'm like, you know what? The haircut's not my favorite, but I still like you. So <laughs> it doesn't matter what your haircut is. You can shave yourself bald. I still like you. Perhaps not quite as much physically, <laughs> but still, you know, I'm not going to dump you or anything. I guess I don't get asked that that often, but usually I will just say what I think. What do you do? I'm, I, I mean, I don't get asked that real question that often. I think, honestly, so one thing... But that you I, must have been asked a question not too long ago by someone you really liked that you were reluctant to answer because you thought it would hurt them. I must have been. Sure. Everyone oh. has to get that at least once a year, right? And, and also, uh, pro-social lies are the most common lies that people report on surveys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where like your white, like happy white lies. Yeah, like, like, I love the gift you got me. Kind or whatever. lies, yeah. Yeah, sure. And <laughs> I, I mean, so those are kind of the ones I wish you spent more time talking about. Like, uh, everyone knows somebody who has a bunch of horse stuff, right? Like horse bed sheets, <laughs> horse posters, horse figurines, because... Uh -huh. Their family members at some point heard that they that they like horses, and then then, then they, they get them that all the time. And because you have to be like, oh, I love it, 
You can't, you can't say, apparently, to many people feel like they can't say, I'm getting sick of horse stuff. I'd love anything else. Yeah. And so they end up with all, you know, they end up with all tons of horse crap, right? Mm-hmm. Calendars, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to face a pro-social lie, again, you don't have to be a dick, but you can say, you know, hey, do you like this, uh, this thing? Oh, well, you know, I don't think it's for me. You know, if, if you have, I mean, depending on your relationship with the person, you could say, if you have a gift receipt, you should definitely return this. If you don't, maybe you'd like it back to give it to somebody who might like it more, you know, or whatever. But I mean, there are circumstances, you know, whatever. God, those you, are so hard to do. They are. But I do find, so you mentioned, what do I get? What do I say when someone asks me if they look fat in this dress? I don't get asked that particular question a lot, but I do have people reach out to me once in a while and say, look, I'm calling you because I know that you'll be honest with me. Awesome. And they'll start the conversation like that. And I find that rewarding. Yeah. And then, so then they know that I have a reputation at least with them for not uh, telling them just what they want to hear. Did you ever watch American Idol? No. Okay. American Idol had uh, like three judges. People would come in and sing, and then the judges would rate them on the singing, basically. Uh, eventually, later on, it was like voting for across America. But the interesting part was with the judges. I feel like with the premise, I did live in the United States. Okay, <laughs> great. And uh, there would always be uh, the, the three judges I, I, for the first few seasons, were Simon Cowell, Paul Abdul, and... God, what was the other guy? Randy. And uh, the person you, whose opinion you respect is Simon. Because you know, when you go up there and sing, Paula will always say, that was fantastic. You were great. I loved it. And Randy will always be like, yeah, you know, at worst he'll say like, that was all right. Could use some work. But he, he, and sometimes he'll say, that's great. But he'll never say that was bad. Simon will be like, fuck you. That was awful. You hurt my ears. Get out of this room. And he will do that all the time. And so... Whenever like I would seek approval from someone, it would always be the Simon Cowell types. Like, I know you're going to tell me it's good, whether it's good or not. So I don't care about your opinion. The guy who tells you you suck. He's the person that I actually want to hear that was fantastic from, because that means he actually thought it was fantastic. Right. And so I bet when you're searching proofreaders for the stuff you write. Yes. You want somebody who has a reputation of being really critical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that that's because their words carry more weight. Right. And I think that that's one of the benefits of not. But also, I think Simon wasn't honest he exaggerated his negativity he probably did it was more entertaining didn't he have like i i don't watch american idol i don't watch singing shows but i watch cooking shows didn't he have that although i don't watch a lot of this guy who's that mean chef hell's kitchen uh yeah i know who you're talking about gordon ramsay yeah isn't he like the gordon ramsay of the music industry isn't Simon? I don't know. I've never seen any Gordon Ramsay, but he was famous for being an asshole. That was his shtick. At some level, he flanderized himself and got got caught up in it. But I think that, yeah, the the general point of what you're making, I think, stands, right? That if you're going to be dishonest, be dishonest in the negative direction. (laughs) (laughs) Just have no friends at all. (laughs) Fair enough. No, I I think the, the, the real point is that when you have a reputation for honesty, people can your words carry more weight than they would otherwise. Like, like if you're going to say nice things no matter what, then they're not gonna, then people who want the truth aren't going to bother asking you. Right. So, you know, if, if I'm not sure if there's anybody, you know, that, you know, some people, some people's parents will always praise their decisions no matter what. I'm going to drop out of school and go, you know, be a, a drum circle hippie. Mm. Oh, well, that's great, sweetheart. Like, you know, like you don't want to, you don't want that person's feedback. You want your, your, honest, smart pe- friends feedback about how dumb of an idea that is. Isn't that <laughs> so, always the, the comedian's joke? Whenever a comedian delivers a line that just bombs and one person in the audience laughs, he's like, thanks, mom. <laughs> I hadn't heard that, but that's awesome. <laughs> right. 
Should we go real quick, hopefully real quick, to listener feedback? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. All right. So, uh, Matthew Cutler wrote us... Ooh, okay, since this is not public. We got an email from M. He says, uh, they say, in episode nine, you started going through the arguments people use against polyamory. The first argument against polyamory, polyamory that you brought up was said to be an argument against polygamy rather than polyamory. Uh, to my mind, that and some of the subsequent arguments were actually arguments against polygyny and, by extension, polyandry, rather than against polygamy or polyamory. I was surprised to hear those arguments used against polygamy, which in my mind simply refers to a person being married to more than one person, regardless of the genders involved. Uh, the glossary on more than two backs up this gender-neutral definition. I'd previously been thinking that one of the goals of some polyamorous people would probably be to legalize polyamorous marriages, and that that would be referred to as legalizing polygamy. I had expected that there would be a desire among some polyamorous people to reclaim the term polygamy to simply hold the gender-neutral definition, despite historical misuse of the term as a synonym synonym for polygyny. A quick search did bring up a few apparent examples of such suggestions. What do you think about the idea of reclaiming the term polygamy? And I, I, I want your opinion on this as well. Do you, would you like to start or should I start? You go, you go ahead. Okay, well, my personal opinion is that the word polygamy is so loaded with bad history that it's an, an unreclaimable. And people think of polygamy, they think of people, uh, old men marrying 14-year-old girls and arranged marriages and just all sorts of horrific abuses. And I do not want that uh, associated any way with me. And yes, I mean, maybe technically that's not necessarily what it entails. But once you've loaded a word so much, you, you just... It's not worth the effort it would take to reclaim it. I think uh, Singularity has had a similar sort of thing where it once meant something and nowadays just means this crazy thing that sometimes people uh, talk about as a rapture of the nerds sort of thing. And it's just, it's not worth going through the effort of trying to say, no, this is what we really mean by it. It's like, okay, fine, use a different word. And I think we have a perfectly good word. We have polyamorous, which is what everyone uses now. And a... a doesn't have all that baggage and kind of has a whole core of good people uh, fighting for it. And so calling calling it a polyamorous marriage, I think would be great and doesn't come with all that weight of history on it. Well, I think there is a way that that could be confusing because I am in a polyamorous marriage, but I'm not married to more than one person. Right. Because you can't be legally. Right. Uh, if you could be, though, the term polyamorous marriage would still not necessarily imply that being married to more than one person. Right. No, it's yeah. not supposed to imply being married to only right. one, right? So, th- so that's why uh, polygamy would be a, a different term than it would, it would have a different meaning. I see, because you're saying a polyamorous marriage could be, right, a marriage that we have nowadays between just two people where they're both polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whereas an actual polygamous marriage would be a legal marriage between three or more people. Or maybe not a legal marriage, some kind of marriage. Okay. But, yeah. So I'm just saying that the word word polygamy does have added uh, meaning that that is not encapsulated by polyamorous marriage. I see what you're saying. In those cases, though, I would prefer a term like triad marriage. Those are often used. Or anything really other than the word polygamy just because of the baggage that comes with it hmm do you disagree i mean 
I didn't like the idea of coming up with more terms, not the one you you suggested, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, As for whether the word polygamy is reclaimable or not, I'm not as as sure as you are that it's not, but yeah, it might might not be. I mean, I guess any word is eventually possibly reclaimable, but it just seems not worth the effort. Mm. Are, Are we really gaining that much from having a technically correct definition? Perhaps not. Uh, and my take on, on polygamy for polyamorous people uh, is more that, at least when it comes to legal marriage, m- maybe abolishing it was a better choice than creating a p- polygamous options. I completely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always going to want be people who want marriage i guess i mean i am legally married and it has does come with legal benefits and it also comes with privileges that in like ways in which people who are not legally married are unfairly discriminated against Mm -hmm. so i think the the ultimate ideal solution would be if the government got out of the marriage business (laughs) so i i personally have been wanting to do a marriages are horrible and should not be a thing episode <laughs> would you be interested in joining me oh, for this gosh. <laughs> i'm i'm not a, a lawyer so i can't talk that much about I'm not a lawyer either it doesn't stop me from running my mouth <laughs> <laughs> um and, and there are lots of aspects of marriage besides the legal that i value okay. so i don't know if you're against all of them <laughs> This is what we could have a whole hour-long episode about, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> I could do my best to defend marriage. I'm not sure if I'm a defender of marriage or not, but oh, you I, I, I assume, guessing from how passionate you sound against it, that I might be slightly, I guess, maybe apathy is the right word, like me with most things. Yeah. Um, I can weigh in as somebody who's not in the community of polyamory as far as what I think. Uh-huh. Just Please do. My... my at a glance perception would be that reclaiming that word would probably be more trouble, like probably be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, just from, from people who don't run in these circles, polygamy has this, you know, you imagine somebody married to, you know, a bunch of children kind yeah. of thing. Right. And that's, that's basically whenever you hear about it in the news, that's what you hear. Right. Right. So, I mean, trying to rebrand it sounds like trouble or sounds like at least a lot of work. And I wonder if it's worth it given that there's another word for it. Like there was, I mean, it's interesting. I'm not sure if atheism or atheist is like as scorned a word or position as it used to be, but there was a time, I don't know, in the early 2000s, mid 2000s to try and change the word to brights. Uh, I remember that. Yes. And it never really took off. I think it's a stupid word. Well, that, I mean, that, that might've been part of it, <laughs> yeah. right? Cause then, it, then it, it has an implication that people who aren't brights are dims and that's not very cool. But then it, it did just sort of work out where, you know, you know, turns out that, you know, at least in my perspective, my social circles, all of them, no one really hates the word atheist. So, um, although I don't we, know. People basically default to agnostic. Agnostic is what you say when you're an atheist, but you don't want to use that word. Yeah, exactly. You don't want the baggage that comes around with the atheist. I actually had somebody for the first time in years ask me like, are you, are you an atheist? And I didn't know them that well. This is the first night I met this person. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, because I, I didn't want to go with all that baggage. So what right, I said right. was, I remain unconvinced of the truth claims of religion. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a fairly innocuous way of putting it. Because <laughs> atheists does have baggage, right? Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily. I'm kind of like in the Neil deGrasse Tyson camp on this. Mm-hmm. There's a great episode of Rationally Speaking where 
uh, that's Julia Galef's podcast back when she was still doing it with Massimo Piglucci, where he came on. He actually requested to be on. And uh, he's like, I never talk about religion stuff, but you two are saying, I want to get your guys' feedback on this. Mm. And because he, he didn't like the word atheist and he didn't like identifying as one. Mm-hmm. And I can sort of see where he's coming from. And was it because of the cultural baggage that he wanted to avoid? Yeah. Basically, you know, kind of like if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, I'm a feminist, I'm an atheist or whatever. You, the, the implication is that someone will, will say, oh, you believe all these things. Right. And it's like, oh, no, I, I'm, I don't believe any of those things. This is what I believe. But by, by putting yourself under an ist banner, mm-hmm. you, you open the door kind of deliberately for people to assign beliefs to you yeah. rather than for if, you. If you open up uh, identifying as a Democrat, people are going to think a whole bunch of things about you, which may not necessarily be true, but that's what you get for using that word, right? Yeah. So I think that's what you like to avoid. Yeah. And I sort of, I mean, so again, having known this person for like two hours, I'm like, I, I had no idea whether they were religious or not or where this was going. Turns mm-hmm. out they would identify as atheist as well. Cool. Um, but I, I was like, I wonder why they're asking this. So I'm going to think about my answer for a second. Yeah. Cause I mean, this is kind of an amicable evening. I don't want to get into like an argument with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, if I dislike the word, I do like the idea of, I mean, so Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson says, the only ist I am is a scientist. And I, that's not, that's cute and quippy and it works for him. But I mean, I'd also like to say I'm an aspiring rationalist and that ends in ist too. And that has some connotations. <laughs> um, so like, I think... But those are connotations you're mostly okay with embracing. And also I think that's a little bit, uh, uh, not, not he's, a, he's a little bit dodging some things by saying that because... There are other other categories which don't have the the letters IST <laughs> at the end, which I'm I'm pretty sure he does claim for himself, but he can get off the hook because it doesn't have ist. In can you it. think of an example? Well, like, so I'm not I'm not entirely sure about this one, but I thought I saw him wearing a wedding ring. And yeah, so, he's married. And so that like that's a, a social category where that people wear as a like a, a badge on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> And you could almost call him a monogamist. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you know, well, no, we don't know that he is monogamous just because he wears a wedding ring. That's true. <laughs> but he's one of those, right? And, no, and, so. and I'm, it, I could be thinking of someone else that I saw the ring on. Like, I, I know he's married, but I don't know if he wears it, the ring. But anyway. I think he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. And I think, uh, I'm not sure what his position on that would be, but I feel like there's probably less baggage associated with that that he'd be uncomfortable identifying with, or at least that most people would be. Assuming that they're, you know, okay portraying themselves as a married person, but not necessarily. Right. So, but so, so then, like, he's okay with the the implications of certain things, but he's going to say, like, the only one that I claim is a scientist. But there are definitely other ones that he claims mm-hmm. more, maybe more subtly or, you know. Maybe the only one he wants explicitly, like, yeah, labeled yeah. to him. Um, yeah. And I don't know enough about his position exactly to defend it, but I, I could imagine saying something like, the only one, the only one I'm going to call myself is this, you know, and the only one I'm going to answer to is scientist. So I can see that, but what was I going to say? Oh yeah. But I also feel like maybe monogamist for some hypothetical person, probably Neil deGrasse Tyson probably is, carries less distasteful baggage than atheist okay. for him mm-hmm. and for people that, you know, he interacts with. So that, that might be something like that. So to bring this back to the, the, the commenter's question, I feel like uh, trying to save polygamy sounds like a whole bag of worms that or can of worms that yeah. do you store worms in cans or bags? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
a whole Tupperware container full of worms. <laughs> and it almost seems like, what's the point? And then two, since there are active polygamists of the kind that no one likes, mm-hmm. you if you rescued the word for a a position or a, what do you call it? A societal standpoint that you favor. Yeah. You would also be saving it for the people that you don't like. Yeah. So did they cover that at all? Cause that sounds like an obvious implication that no, is worth considering. That was, that was, I didn't think of that either. So props to you, man. That was an awesome point. Well, but I maybe mean, that could be helpful because if you make that word, uh, strip the baggage and make it just purely its denotation and none of the connotations, then you are kind of, incentivizing people including yourself to come up with a word that is specific to those people who like forced marriage people i maybe i would say like people who who use marriage and forced marriage to gain to to oppress oppress young people i don't know you you would have to define it it would be like it'd be almost like rationalist taboo where you would say like you know we're not going to use polygamy in with all these connotations anymore so now we have to come up with the real word for what those people are doing right and i'd be more in favor of that but that sounds like a different challenge than trying to save the word polygamy right because yeah then then if if say you wanted to save polygamy for people who are in tight polyamorous relationships however if they wanted to define themselves you know as like yes i'm married to three people therefore i'm polygamous well then to anybody who all they knew about you was that you're polygamous they'd be like oh my god you know you had you know, four 12 year olds married to you when you were 35 <laughs> or whatever. Right. So, I mean, it, I really it would be funny wish, if it wasn't so horrifying. Yeah, but I really do wish people would not do that with words, just assign all sorts of things to them that they don't necessarily mean. And then use it as a catch all <laughs> way to club someone. You're describing the problem with words. <laughs> like, I mean, no, this is, this is the problem with words in general, right? Yeah. Like, and that's the whole point, like polygamy or polyamory, are, it's just a few syllables and it contains a very long message. Mm-hmm. But the point is, it's like, hey, if we can get everyone to agree on the message, then we can save ourselves, you know, 30 seconds every time we use the word. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, but then you that end idea up fighting important. about word definitions. Yeah. Which is a pain in the ass. Like the fighting about the word feminist, which used to be only basically a good thing. And anyone who was anti feminist was, you could tell right away, an asshole. And uh, it, it, has encompasses other things than it used to now and now it's a pain in the ass you can't use the word feminist necessarily as an unreserved good anymore well that's why i use that example like scott alexander from slate star codex i'm mm-hmm. not sure if this is still true but i know as of a few years ago he didn't he explicitly didn't identify as feminist yes because he had some very bad experiences right and, and some of the connotations and he's mm-hmm. like no of course i'm for equality which some people would be like well that's all feminism is and he's like well that's not my experience yeah. so they're arguing about you know what this ist means yeah. and that's exactly the conversation that people like him and neil degrasse tyson want to avoid they're just like you know what ask me ask me what i believe don't yeah. don't make me give you a few syllables and then you give me all my beliefs but if you right? can load up a word with enough negative connotations you can then use that word to to club people even if it doesn't necessarily apply to them Yes. I guess that's one of the problems of identifying under a banner, right? Right, right. Okay. So I know that there's some there's been some dragging of rationalist the rationalist community through the mud by some writers in the last few weeks. Oh. Um I don't have anything in front of me, but okay. uh I could find stuff pretty quick. Okay. Some tweets, some short articles about like, oh, basically like all the straw men. Okay. But they were like, that's all the shit that these crazy people are all about. And you know, look at how weird Ellie Iser is occasionally. So they're all like they all like think this is, you know, a great thing. So they're they're doing kind of what people would do, be like, oh, this person's atheist, therefore they're like an amoral baby eating Satan worshiper, right? right? Exactly. Um, so 
I mean, you can drag stuff through the mud if you... Which is really annoying because you, you load up atheists with all the things, immoral, doesn't believe in laws, eats babies, and then uh, you ask someone, do you believe in God? And they're like, no. And they're like, see, atheist! Like, what? But there's nothing wrong with not believing in God. And like, but a person who doesn't believe in God is an atheist, right? And you're like, yeah. Like, so you eat babies, kill him! And... Yeah, it gets it gets is, weird is pretty quick. Is this like the the worst argument in the world? Yes, like that article. It basically yeah. is mm-hmm. exactly that. What is this? The worst art- argument in the world? I think I need to read this. It, it's actually kind of basically what we just said, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's loading up a word with a whole bunch of negative connotations and then using its strict technical definition to tar a bunch of people. Oh, that's a Slate Star Codex. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. familiar. Okay. I thought it was some like older philosophy thing that no, okay, I'm, I'm I, wrong I feel now. like he originally posted it on Less Wrong. Is it this art? Uh, I will be Googling yeah. later. Yeah. That sounds like fun. But yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, that is that is our perspectives on your question. Cool. Did anyone else have anything else to want to add about that? I had one real quick one. We had somebody write in, apparently in the uh, digital rights and privacy episode, I mentioned the ad blocker I use and I set it too fast, which is completely reasonable because I talk really fast. Um, I use uBlock Origin, which is an open source ad block software that I really like. I think apparently Adblock start, started letting ads in um, from people who paid them enough. I heard something about this. Jesus. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I, I heard that. Well, I mean, that's the thing too, is if it's not open source, you don't know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So uBlock, uBlock Origin is open source. And it's for, I, I know at least Chrome, probably other browsers as well. So yes. one quick Google away. Um, do we have another feedback? I do not know. I think that's it then. I mean, we've got some good conversations at the subreddit. Nothing I really want to paraphrase. We will quickly say uh, you can comment at our website, thebayesianconspiracy.com or uh, at the subreddit slash thebayesianconspiracy. Yes, uh, you can write us an email. We often appreciate if you give reviews on iTunes because that helps people know that we exist and that makes us very happy. And it makes us even more happy if you support us on Patreon for a dollar per episode or however much you want to give. And also, while we're on the topic, mad props to our sound engineer, Kyle Moore, who does a lot of work for us every week and makes us sound good. We love him. I made a short list of all the things to say in the last minute, and you just hit all of them. Thank you for your for your support, everyone who's uh, currently supporting us on Patreon. You are the um, best. Like you just mentioned, don't uh, hesitate to leave a review at iTunes if you want. The last thing I will say as far as feedback, I think the last two sections have been dominated by us responding to one person about sort of... Um, or maybe you guys not the last two. Some of the in the last couple of months because these episodes aren't coming out in the order that we're recording them in. How do we want to put this? We spend a lot of time engaging one person who I think most of us find pretty objectionable, and I wanted to just kind of put out there that uh, that won't become a long term trend. It was basically since this person's engaging in good faith, I wanted to respond in good faith, but it was sucking up a lot of airtime, and I, I think it's not really doesn't behoove us to really spend that much time on the air giving voice to some of these opinions. So if you got sick of those, uh, we did too. So don't worry there. They're mostly gone. I can't, can't promise that we'll never ever talk to any of these people again, <laughs> but uh, we won't be spending 45 minutes dissecting some really nasty emails. So anyway, thanks. And uh, I think that's our episode. Yeah. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Shelly. This was awesome. Thanks. All right, cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye.